Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm going to be talking about a delicious cooling herb, peppermint. And we're also going to talk about essential oils and some super important things to keep in mind if you want to use these in your wellness or your magical routines. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing, y'all. Oh my god, uh, too much of a good thing. It's like that Spice Girls song I was listening to today. It's like, too much, nothing. No, but too much of a good thing. <laughs> uh, too, too. I'm, I'm living for this like Spice Girls throwback reference. Uh, I don't know why. I just had to listen to the Spice Girls today. But yeah, too, mu- too much. Too much of a good thing. Um, <laughs> so and I'm going to be telling you guys all about Hermes, the messenger of the gods, among other things. We're going to talk about all the other things, uh, as well as continuing our Witch Basics series by going over how to make and use your own sigils. So, very exciting stuff. Uh, so, I say we dive right in. Uh, yeah. Talking about- Hermes is like, I'm, I just have to say, I'm so excited to talk about Hermes, not just as a messenger. Not so, just as a messenger. Yay. Like, not, it's not the winged sandals, but can we talk about how Hermes is a fashion icon with the winged sandals. Hundo P. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. You can actually go ahead and dive in now. I'm just really excited about this one. Uh, But the winged sandals allow him to move easily between the world of mortals and the spirit realm, which is like even like cooler. Uh, So I would just say like shoe goals, right? Like I know you love shoes. Oh my god, shoes. <laughs> These shoes rule. These shoes truly. rule. But I mean, it's iconic. And it's like, honestly, why don't they... Why isn't there like a sports brand that puts like wings on the shoes? Just like little ones. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should invent it. Just for just for funsies. Okay. But before we get more into the history of Hermes, Hermes had another iconic accessory that he's commonly depicted with. The caduceus which is the wing-topped staff entwined by two snakes so uh as many of our listeners are american you might be thinking like the the medical symbol like you see it on ambulances a lot uh you see it on like doctor's coats and shit and uh it's like what does that have to do with hermes well nothing actually uh (laughs) so Hermes had nothing to do with medicine. It was like commerce, perhaps, because you do trade in medicines. But uh, this is one of those long running mistakes that just seems to have stuck again, especially here in America. And the rod of Asclepius is the actual traditional symbol of medicine. And it has no wings on top and only one snake. So uh, this version can be seen in the World Health Organization's logo, and I know everyone has seen plenty of that recently. So uh, the actual caduceus was a symbol of commerce. Uh, so take that, every American hospital, you're down. <laughs> can I just say that, like, Asclepius is the best fucking name because, like, I always wish I was Asclepius. <laughs> oh my god, uh, <laughs> it's like... The the German name for Snorlax is Relaxo, but the, Ugh, the ancient yes. Greek name for Snorlax is Asclepius, but it's spelled asleep, 
Uh, oh my god. Yes. Dad jokes are here tonight. Dad jokes are <laughs> live. Live. Wands <laughs> and Franz live with the dad jokes. Uh, speaking of live, why has my screen scrolled down six pages? Oh, to the end. I do have to, while Nick is like getting back up to the right place in his script, I want to like take a sidestep and say if we seem a little like silly tonight, it's because. Nick is actually recording at his house. And so we have the cameras on and we're normally just recording audio. And so I feel like it, it feels a lot more like personal now that we're able to actually see each other. So um, that's a little like behind the scenes at once in bronze for you guys. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's really funny because usually I'm like just recording on someone else's microphone, just reading my notes uh, off my phone. And uh, I really do not understand why it just scrolled down six pages, though. I didn't really catch that. But your laptop's haunted. It really is. Uh, But okay, (laughs) so taking it from you're dumb for putting that on your Dr. Coates, American Hospitals, Asclepius, Snorlax, Relaxo. uh, But Hermes (laughs) did have a very important day job which was to guide souls into the afterlife and act as the messenger and herald of God. So very busy guy besides the commerce of it all. Uh, But we really should start at the beginning because Hermes has like a really cute, like baby story. So, (laughs) uh, Hesiod, Theogony is like the, the, the like big long history of the gods and, uh, you know, a lot of gods have origin stories, but Hermes has like a baby story. You know, it's like a little a little snapshot of a god as a baby. So it's a really stellar backstory. And this is a pun, <laughs> by the way, because Hermes is definitely an Olympian. And it should come to no surprise as anyone that his father is Zeus. But where things get interesting is that Hermes's mother maya is a star and so like not like a movie star literally one of the stars in the pleiades constellation so i told you guys it was a pun uh, oh my god stellar yeah, backstory right, stel- oh wow <laughs> uh so this a plus plus this is actually very common in greek mythology is like personifying stars from constellations as sort of like a high-ranking like nymph type that you know it's like you have your, hmm. your naiads and your dryads and your you have your ocean nymphs the the oceanads all your iads the, the, the yads <laughs> you know the yads are everywhere but you know it's like you have stars too and that's like a step like that's that's up there that's next level that's next level but uh, Maya was shy about hanging out around Mount Olympus, which must have made toxic as fuck frat bro Zeus crazy with desire because he tracked her down to a cave where she liked to hang out and did the deed anyway. So very cool. Very, very Zeus. Uh, but yeah, unlike many 
of Zeus's other conquests, though, uh, Zeus actually like really loved Maya, which made Hera super jealous. Oof. Because they are yeah. they are not like the cartoons from Hercules. Like they were not a good couple. Uh, no. So Hera got super jealous, and the couple would later go on. So like Zeus and Maya raising an adopted child. Uh so top relationship for Zeus, uh, apparently. But before you run off and buy old Zeusy boy like a number one dad coffee mug, he does get up to his usual shenanigans, at least a little bit, because when Maya gives birth, she's all alone in her cave. And that's where things get really interesting. So the wee baby Hermes, he's just a little guy, right? Just a just born, like just now. So not really like aging so quickly, but uh, developing, kind of crawls away from his mom while she's like still wow. like still recovering from the birth. You know, I mean, if you're a horse, sure, but you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're one of those squishy mammals who are like totally helpless as infants, usually. Right. So she's like wrapped up her baby, and she's having a nap as one does. After screaming, uh, and pushing and, you know, having a god baby and... It was a busy day. It's a busy day. So she's having a nap. <laughs> and so she awakens to find that shenanigans are afoot. So baby Hermes <laughs> has crawled all the way to Thessaly, which is far away from Mount Olympus, uh, canonically. Uh, so stolen some of apollo's cattle so apollo is like his older brother older half brother <laughs> uh but stealing an a god's cattle you know not just some farmer uh hanging out uh inventing the liar from a tortoise shell you know just generally getting into trouble so in a very cartoonish turn of events and i'm like I feel like this is like a cartoon, right? Apollo yeah. comes to Zeus and Maya and is like, hey, baby Hermes stole my cattle, which is a very far-fetched story. And we have to remember that she had just given birth. So she's like, fuck off. A baby? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of those things that like a big like a big sister or a big brother says to like try and get the parents to like take the new baby back. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> so she's like uh no and so you can sort of imagine like little baby Hermes doing like a little wink like bing, you know well like <laughs> being like goo goo gaga and it's like not me i'm just a baby uh but oh cheeky af man so cheeky so cheeky but so zeus did end up siding with apollo uh likely because he knew that his bastardy qualities must have found their way into his son zeus is yeah zeus is very bastardy i mean don't love it this is, i mean uh, where did this come from uh where did you where <laughs> did you learn how to do this uh so in the end hermes can keep the cattle because a baby needs cattle uh but he has to give apollo the leer and spoiler alert 
it becomes one of Apollo's like main symbols and a beloved instrument all over the Greek world for all your uh, poets and wandering minstrels and stuff. Uh, so in this way, Hermes, the merry trickster, because, you know, Hermes is like associated with a bunch of other stuff. And we are definitely talking about it later on. Uh, but always tricky, always kind of slippery. It's like Hermes's thing. So, uh, as is the way with these things, though, like Hermes associations evolve over time. So we have this really cool origin story where it's like Hermes is a baby, but like originally Hermes worship grew out of Pan cults. So like Pan was the god of boundaries and like especially the boundaries between the civilized world and the wilderness. And Hermes was seen as an aspect of Pan. So the main associations at that time were with like roads which is a logical thing when you think about boundaries, like roads uh, between places. That's what's between your lands. Uh, so being a god, though, it wasn't just like mundane roads Hermes was all about. So he was also in charge of the roads to the underworld and guiding souls to their final resting place. Hades across the river Styx, you know, kind of taking them to Sharon getting them loaded on the boat. And uh, that's a really important job. It's like Hades, Sharon, hanging out with all the all the souls, but like getting them there. It's like the sort of a sort of grim reaper character, uh, which is just casually mentioned, by the way. It's like, it's always Hermes is doing this other cool shit, but it's like, also he's the grim reaper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, NBD, just like casually throwing that in there. Yeah, yeah, it's always like just doing war stuff and and he's the Grim Reaper. So but <laughs> but really we're talking about this. Uh but so eventually Rhodes became traveling, uh travelers, sailors, and then like sailors, commerce, and because Hermes was always a little mischievous and a little trickstery. He also became associated with another common roadside thing in ancient Greece. Thieves. Woo! The roadside thief. Which is not quite a traveler. But they're there. <laughs> I love that. They're hanging out. They're hanging out on the road. Uh, and so, since he was the god of traveling, sailors and thieves, I think we can naturally naturally conclude that he would have been very stoked about pirates. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. conjecture on my part, admittedly, Hermes was not the god of pirates, but... I feel like he would have been, though, if he had known them. Yeah, like, if he had met some pirates, it would have been match made in heaven. So, but... <laughs> Also, as part of his whole being an aspect of Pan thing, he was also the god of. Oh wait, okay. So this is this is a fun one for all of the all of the uh, good Christian kids out there. Uh, so being an aspect of Pan, he was the god of flocks, herds, shepherds, 
uh, some of this has survived, you guys. Uh, Whoa! I know, I know. So the story here goes that in Boeotia, or Boeotia, Hermes saved a town from the plague by carrying a calf around the city walls in a circle in a holy ceremony of protection. It then became a local custom in this Greek region to have a yearly festival where the handsomest boy would also carry a calf around the entire village to protect it for another year. But that calf, or possibly lamb, was then sacrificed for the good of the village. So we have a lamb being sacrificed for everyone. The imagery of a good and noble shepherd. It sounds very familiar. I don't know. Maybe Christians are just mythology thieves. Uh, yeah, I mean, because there's also the um, it also reminds me of like, what is it? The um, I think is it the Passover story where they have to take like the blood of the animals and put it above their door to be passed over by the plague? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the when they're escaping Egypt, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of similarities there a lot of some might say a lot of li- shockingly similar yeah uh, a lot of hymns about the lamb a lot of hymns about lambs i mean i mean there's there's a lot of hymns that talk about blood too yeah. in a way that is very interesting <laughs> for, like if you take an outsider's perspective <laughs> yeah 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 i mean N- nothing but the blood of jesus right can wash away my sins Taking a blood. Not Jesus's love. Nope. His blood. Yeah. Gotta take a bath in Jesus's blood. So. Well, it's good for the skin. It keeps you looking young. Fair enough. <laughs> but okay. So. As is the way with many cultures out there. Hermes's association with the world of the dead also made him a prime candidate apparently to be a fertility god so kind of a both sides of the same coin situation which we love we love we love to see it so owing to his affinity for travelers the road markers were in honor of hermes very cool right so you get love that going from town to town little they're basically street signs yeah. In a sense. But uh, they started out. Uh, they would have a little pile of stones, kind of like halfway between this village and that village. You pop a stone on the pile as you're walking by. It's kind of cool, right? Kind of grows over time. Yeah. Uh, like little mile markers. Yeah, little mile markers. Uh, they were called after Hermes. Uh, so that's all well and good. But some aristocrat was like, it's not fancy enough. <laughs> He's like, what are these poor people things? <laughs> right. Stones? Ugh, we could do better. Right. So, pays their own money to put little busts of Hermes where all these little piles of stones go. And I, I think it's a lovely gesture to be sure, but in honor of Hermes' status as a 
fertility god. Uh, all of these mile markers were also fitted with a large phallus at the base. So uh, if you're following along, you've got these fancy stone busts of Hermes. You know, it's like uh, he's got his curly hair and a beard, and it's uh, intricately carved uh, marble work, which is not cheap, but uh, just a big old dick at the base. Um, I mean, I... I wonder how many people fucked them. Uh, you know, I, I did not think about that, but I, I, I think I'm immature for thinking that it's funny to sort of imagine, but it's my understanding that a few of these have survived, so if any of the Wands and Fronds listeners have been to Greece and seen one, go ahead and send us a saucy Herma. Herma is the name of the little little columns the little Hermes columns with the dicks on the bottom. So if you've seen one, uh, we'd love to see it. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge some of Hermes's most like pop culture. So like that's pop culture, like being on the mile markers is pop culture. Like Hermes is fucking popular. I mean, Hermes had dicks all over Greece. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's got pop culture adventures. So these are going to be stories that you guys are absolutely familiar with already. Uh, he has recurring appearances in both the Iliad and the Odyssey, which are very popular stories even today. So he's an ally of the Greeks against the Trojans in the Trojan War, but he's also kind of tricky and slippery. That's that's very much like a Hermes vibe. It's like he's... Uh, slippery he he gets that from his father yeah zeus is very slippery uh zeus also has a soft spot for mortals um and hermes is following along so he protects the trojan priam while he collects his dead son during the trojan war uh but he's also like rescuing Ares from like a brazen bull type torture device when he's captured by Otis and Hialtes. Uh, ancient Greek. Are we going to need to get you readers? Did you see me squinting? Oh, I, you can see me squinting through my fingers. Uh, oh, you guys. Hermes was also Odysseus's great grandpa. So. Of course, he's, like, warning him when his companions all get turned into animals by Cersei. He delivered the message from Zeus to Calypso as the messenger of the gods, obviously. But he's like, let Odysseus go. Uh, he finally makes it home. Odysseus. Hermes' great-grandson. Uh kills all of his wife's suitors and Hermes helps him out by guiding them all back to the underworld. So just a really cool great grandpa too. you know, play, <laughs> playing a game of catch, guiding your wife's suitor. She thought he was dead. You know, it's yeah. She, yeah. She, she was like not being shitty. No, he was gone for a long ass time. Right. I would have assumed he was dead too. You know what's funny, though? And it's like, he's been gone for a long time. She didn't remarry. She's got a bunch of suitors. 
So, sounds like she was having a good time, though. I mean, <laughs> look, your husband's probably dead. Eh. Eh. I mean, uh, you know, I, that's that's like a whole different episode, though. So he yeah. also had a hand to play. Speaking of like pop culture Hermes in the Pandora myth. So the Pandora myth is like almost an even more misogynist version of Eve getting Adam and Eve kicked out of Garden of Eden. Yeah. Women get the fucking short end of the stick, man. Um, but so pretty much the gods are punishing men for stealing fire by sending a lady, the first lady. Uh, and they all give her negative qualities to bring into the world. And the one that Hermes supplies is lying and being two-faced which we are not talking about being two-faced during Gemini season. Do not come for us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. Right. But, uh, okay, so Hermes, so popular, right? It's, it's almost like we're, we're just listing things that he's in charge of, but kind of coming to the end of talking about Hermes, he also invented new kinds of racing. I'm assuming chariot racing, but it just says different kinds of racing. So I guess... Like a three-legged race, maybe? Like he's getting in there with like the field trip (laughs) games? I am like different (laughs) kinds of racing. Um, Sure. Wrestling, which... Sexy. Sexy. Uh, Also... Might have been a lover of Perseus. Uh, there is a whole list of Hermes's lovers on Wikipedia, uh, among many other sources that you can look at Hermes stuff because uh, almost three thousand years old. Uh, these these myths. Um, so, well, and he's got dicks all over Greece. Dicks so, you all know. over Greece. Uh, I I don't know what to tell you people, but. He's a jock. He liked to get it in, man. You yeah. know, he's a jock. He's on the road. Uh, he likes to get it in. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I do think so. They say that Hermes most like analogous figure from Roman mythology is Mercury, which rules as a planet. Virgo and Gemini. I say Hermes was a Sagittarius, and that is my that's my final take on the whole segment is that I think Hermes was a Sagittarius. Uh I could see that. I could see that. I I, I mean number four also kind of being with Gemini stuff, but I mean I you know it's like cancer is number four. Yeah. But it's right there. It's right there. So I like that. That was, I feel like, a really good intro because he is like one of those deities where it's like we could do a whole fucking series on him. Well, because it's like walk on parts in like every popular part of Greek mythology. Yeah. At like the not even walk on parts, like Zeus basically has walk on parts in every part of Greek mythology. 
Yeah, Hermes is like the best supporting actress in everything. Yes. Uh she's she's Alice and Janney. <laughs> but um yes. we have we have so much more we have to talk about. This week we're talking about witchy basics again. So we talked about grounding last time and we always are like put a sigil on it. You know, we're kind of like that Portlandia sketch where it's like, put a bird on it, put a sigil on it. We're like, do a sleep sachet, put a sigil on it. And then put a sigil on it. Uh, <laughs> and then we just kind of leave it at that, uh, which, you know, I, I would say, I think most of you guys know, but we want to be inclusive. And also, sigils are really fucking cool. So they are really cool. And they look really cool like once you kind of get your little your like little personal aesthetic down it's like yeah it's very cool um it's like your own little personal form of cursive if you will or whatever uh yeah i i my favorite sigil i've ever done is the one i did for new year nick do you remember the one i sent you yeah 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 yeah. Um, i loved that one sigils are awesome so for those of y'all not in the know a sigil is like a very specific way to work on manifesting your intentions by creating a unique symbol. So this is like a very old form of spell casting, you guys. It's like at least Elizabethan. Like people people do sigils. It's chaos magic. It's part of our Wiccan pagan revival. It's very cool. Uh, oh my god and when i saw that i would just love to know i feel like it might be interesting to do chaos magic as a topic i would love to hear from the listeners if y'all would be interested in something like that because i feel like that could be really fun but maybe that's just me i feel like chaos magic was really cool in the 2000s at least on the internet um yeah it does sound very cool but I mean, if you actually look into it, I, we, we, you know what? We'll do a segment. Y'all are just going to have to listen to it. Uh, so <laughs> before we get into making sigils of our very own, I think a bit of information about using sigils is pertinent to share, you guys. So there's so much Virgo energy in this podcast, but it is highly recommended to make your own sigils. Full stop. Because the power of Sigils comes from the handmade aspect of it. Uh, so if you want to copy something that's already been done, that sort of has set meanings, by all means do so. But that is runes, you guys. It's runes you're thinking <laughs> runes you're th- yeah. that is runes that you're thinking of. Uh, and that is what that is, but that is a different thing entirely. We are talking about sigils today. And so what I'm covering here is going to be the most basic and broadly available instructions on crafting a sigil, as well as sort of a little bit of the variation and how to give them power and where to use them. Uh, So I'm going to be walking you through an example, and this is one that I'm actually using for a trip that I'm going on tomorrow. Uh, So I've already done this, uh, but so... And this is one that I really, I was just following along 
with you guys because I do prefer runes. Uh, that is my thing. Uh, don't get, you know, don't don't come after me. Uh, but for sigils, we start with a clearly stated intention. Uh, it's important you write this out in the present tense and in the affirmative. So not a question, not something that you hope will happen. Uh, you're writing a statement of truth. And so for mine, I am saying, I am having a safe journey and will return unharmed. Uh, so what we do after that, we remove all of the vowels. Uh, and we're, we're kind of like paring it down into a, a more simplified form with each step. Uh, so we take out the vowels. So we have a medium string of letters. <laughs> uh, I did write it down. Shannon, uh, Shannon's laughing because she can see it. Uh, yeah. So then you remove any letters that appear more than once, which leaves us with, I am going to say it out loud now. M-H-B-N-G-S-F-J-R-Y-D-W-L-T. Uh, so these letters are going to form the base of our little travel sigil. And this is where you guys at home get to make some decisions. Uh, so we can proceed from here in a few different ways. And I would, again, encourage anyone listening at home, not if you're driving, you know, we do... <laughs> know that a few people who listen to this podcast listen while driving, but, you know, kind of look it up and see what I'm talking about as you're following along, because it will make more sense if you're seeing what I mean while I'm speaking. So uh, one way to continue with your sigil from here is to craft your own simplified symbols to use in place of letters. So like two parallel lines for M and N is popular. The, the C shape, like the half circle, can also be S, U, D. Uh, there's a lot of different things. You could also just do a circle, and that could be a lot of different letters. Uh, it's up to you. I think a, a good reference point here is if you have seen, like, the Black Star art from Bowie's last album. Right. That's, like, that's some interesting sigil decisions made to represent because it spells out his name. So check that out too, for reference. I think that can be kind of a good way if you're having a hard time visualizing I, it. I just think like looking at what uh, sort of the simplifications are. Uh, yeah. So you end up with a few little simple shapes. I mean, the alphabet is only 26 letters. There are some very common themes like N, Z, M, W, etc., etc. You know, it's like they all have the same shapes. Like zigzags are fucking everywhere. Um, but you can kind of boil it down into like five or six different little shapes that will represent the different letters. Uh and so you take your your letters that you have left. So we, we've got no vowels, no repeats at this point. Um and that could be a sigil. Uh, now, you may take some time to figure out your aesthetics with your sigil. Uh, because I, I think one of the ways that I saw that I really liked 
to do one was to sort of rotate it like 90 degrees every time you're adding one of your symbols for a letter um and i i did like that or like cur curving your straight lines or like doing zigzags uh or like even like doing uh like a little circle to start it and then putting like a little arrow at the end of it like once you've kind of made your little shape uh i i like little curly ones personally so if you're drawing like a like a straight <laughs> line you could put like a little little curly um like a stray pube almost you know just like a little <laughs> swoop uh i love that so but that that would constitute a very basic sigil uh with this method you can also choose to add like little signatures. Um, so maybe put like a, a, a couple little dots next to the longest straight line. A uh, couple little dots might look nice. Um, again, maybe something little zigzags. So it this is definitely 100% a situation where you should be making it your own though, you guys. Like, cannot stress that enough because the whole thing with the yeah. sigil is that it's like a symbol that you came up with um someone came up with the letter n you know and yeah i'm sure they're very happy with that uh <laughs> yeah i think because it's like one way that i like to do them is like kind of connecting a few different pieces with straight lines so it almost looks kind of like a molecule so doing like a piece of it with like the design and then connecting it to another piece of the design and putting them all in circles so it's like really just about figuring out what you think also looks cool yeah. because at the end of the day that's it's aesthetics matter it's like and if you think it looks cool you're gonna be happier with it and more proud of it and then you're gonna like put more power into it well i was also saying like uh you know if you have part of like your zodiac symbol that you like you know like the aries horns oh, I love that. or the little the little uh arrow tail from scorpio like that could totally be yeah. like your little signature like prince has the little arrow tail from scorpio on on their symbol uh love it yeah so make it your own uh, but all of that is, I, I think, pretty easy to visualize. Hopefully, uh, I'm sure it's like, again, you, you would really just have to look it up uh, just to kind of see what I mean, you know? So it's like, if you, if you imagine, like, a lot of sigils really sort of end up looking like um, those multiple cross things from, like, Russian churches. Hmm. With like the circles on the end and the straight lines and uh Yeah. Like And we can definitely upload some pictures to to social media when we post the episode. Yes, yes, yes. So you can like when you're listening, you can kind of like look through them because it is it is like a very visual thing to try and talk about. But I do feel Nick, I I mean I think you're doing a great job. Uh, so. It's it's funny, um, because I'm like I'm trying to describe a thing that is so visual. Uh, and kind of abstract it's not like it's it's like how do you describe a jackson pollock it, it, but <laughs> uh 
make it your make you make it your own uh so yeah. i would say you know we're talking about lines we're talking about circles we're talking about half circles we're talking about zigzags that's mo- that's most of the shapes in the english alphabet though if i'm being fair yeah. uh so there's the other way to make a sigil that kind of generates its own unique shape so i'm definitely encouraging y'all to google what this looks like uh so we start by making a pythagorean numerology table which sounds way more complicated than it is so fear not you guys this is actually the easy part so we start by creating a grid nine squares wide and three squares tall uh and we're numbering the squares over the top one through nine one two three four five six seven eight nine and then we write out the alphabet in the grid. So A is 1, B is 2, etc., etc. I is 9, J is back to 1, so on. So we make... Yeah, it's basically like drawing three tic-tac-toe grids, like, connected. Right. Uh, so we kind of write out the alphabet in it. And we make a sigil wheel, which will be divided around the edge into nine equal parts to be numbered clockwise 1, 4, 7, 3, 6, 9, 2, 5, 8. I have seen most of them that way. I have seen ones that were in order, but less of those. So, for our safe travel sigil, which also fits nicely with our Hermes segment, uh, if I do say so myself, and I do, uh, you know, it's my segment, uh, we end up with, in the Pythagorean number table, 484-571-609-74532. Not that y'all care, but those are the actual numbers of it. Uh, so, if you follow these instructions, you end up with a pretty inscrutable sigil uh which i did draw out (laughs) on the wheel on my phone um because also this is kind of a fun thing you can use your phone for because you can take a picture you take a screenshot of the sigil wheel and then draw your sigil with your finger on the screenshot that's a hot tip for me uh if you want to test some out without writing them down um so for this one i removed repeating numbers to end up with a cleaner shape uh because it it was going back and forth too much uh but i you you end up with a unique shape this one was kind of top heavy uh it's sort of like my chart i was gonna say sort of sort of like a birth chart you know sometimes they're top heavy sometimes they're bottom heavy uh, there's letters in the alphabet that are top heavy and bottom heavy as well. Uh, so you can dress this one up by starting again with like a circle, ending with an arrow, showing the direction of how you drew it. Uh, and so also like before, you can put it inside of a shape to give it a stronger form. And I do like the sigils and triangles because I'm like a big three guy. Uh, I do like them in circles. 
I've seen a few sigils and squares, and I I don't know what that's about. But uh, honestly, doing the research on sigils really made me kind of judgy about sigils, which I'm I, I'll I'll kind of touch on later on. But uh, again, I, I I feel like I do you guys a disservice by trying to describe making sigils without offering visual representation. So please do check it out on Instagram if you were listening to this episode, and. Also, don't follow us on Instagram yet. Uh, at Wands and Franz Pod, uh, we'll follow you back most of the time, unless you're like one of those weird bots. Yeah, like the bots that are like, uh, I want to sell you followers, but uh, I'm like, mm. so. But we don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to so. buy followers. Uh, so, what are what are we doing with sigils? What are what are we as like witches in 2021 doing with sigils? Like, there's so much that has gone into figuring out how to make sigils you can use them like roots and i mean you could draw them on your home for protection or blessings you could put one in your luggage like i'm doing just like a just like a little guy just like on a little piece of paper uh so my favorite and sort of a very common way to do a sigil is to draw it on a piece of paper and then burn it to complete the spell. The whole spell is making the sigil. Um, I love. It's like, it's, you're like making something and then destroying something. Like all in the same spell. Which feels, I, that's, I'm speechless. I'm like, I, that's the kind of shit I love. Um, that's like big Aryan energy. Yeah, I'm like, make it, destroy it. Yes. Uh so it's also recommended to keep like a log of the sigils that you come up with to use later on, right? Because we, I mean, we 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 always are like, oh yeah, put it in a sleep sachet, uh, put a sigil in your New Year's cord cutting for twenty twenty. You know, it's like we're it's like put a sigil here, and a lot of times they're ending up in places where they're not gonna like stick around forever. So if you come up with one, you really like it. Put it in your little book of shadows. Keep a little log of sigils that you want to come up. You know, make a little sigil page in your book of shadows with like room to save one. Like, mm. you know, it's like a glossary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a little, you know, because it's like you come up with your sigil on like a a sheet of paper. I And I love paper crafting, too. It's like that kind of where you work everything out. It's like uh, doing math in a weird way but make a little yeah make a little sigil make a little sigil page uh you won't regret um (laughs) so again you do want to come up with your own though like i mentioned at the beginning i'm mentioning it now if you're interested in doing sigils i highly 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 encourage you to do your own because that's where all of the sauce comes from if you're just, I mean, because you can look it up on Pinterest and there's like a million sigils that you could just copy. And that's like not, that's not it uh, to me. I, I think there are, I mean, but it's, I also like runes. So I'm just kind of speaking from like a gut place because. Yeah, I think it's like, this is one of those situations where it's not it's not a barrier for anyone to make them themselves because you can do it like 
you know, you can do them online, you can do them like you can do them like on a computer or on a phone, or like you can do them handwritten, like, you don't even need anything other than like a piece of paper and some sort of writing instrument. So it's like, you don't have to like go out and buy it like a crystal or anything else. It's like, just take that small extra step because it's magic and like magic is work. Like that's part of it's, it. Yeah, it's like the work you put in is like oh, you're gonna get out. So don't yeah. don't take shortcuts, you guys. Um, store bought is not fine. No, in this in instance, this instance store bought is absolutely not fine. You know, but we've discussed a lot of like magical practices on this show that involves writing down some form of your intention and like you guys all know that I place a lot of power in written words. So like sigils should be something I incorporate more. I simply just have never gotten into it. Uh, but like doing like reading reputable people talking about how to make sigils, I thought was cool. Uh, so I think it's something I'm interested in revisiting. And I will also add here that very much like your book of shadows if you're keeping a glossary of sigils keep it private i think like the secret meaning gives it power too like the fact like that's the whole point of coming up with the unique symbol you can look at it and know exactly what it means but no one else would so if yeah you know keep the keep the meanings of them somewhat to yourself I, I feel like that keep it secret keep it safe keep it secret keep it safe yeah yeah because yeah. i feel like that gives it power too like i just think of like the idea of sigil craft is to like come up with your own little your secret alphabet and yeah those are like your super 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 personal spells uh yeah i do want to add the one that i showed nick involves stuff about the podcast i wouldn't normally be sharing my sigils but just on that note yes the the spell work also involved nick so right. <laughs> it was like, um no no i'm saying share them with people yeah. that i mean it, uh, share them with people that you trust i i, I don't want to say keep it yeah. completely to yourself but it's like you don't want to have it out you don't i mean you wouldn't have your book of shadows out as like a coffee table book for people to leaf through you know if you are working on your little sigil glossary uh put it away Put it away when you're done. Yeah. Uh, put yeah. all of that stuff away when you Can we talk about... No one needs to see your witchy shit to know that you're a witch. And honestly, it's disrespectful to your suppliers to leave them out for people to see. Uh, in that way. Like, yeah. respect your tools. Uh, okay, and the last thing was sigils. Because I did not do the, the questionable witchy practice this week, but... I was doing research about sigils. You know, I I scroll through Pinterest. I look on Reddit. I, I do, because I do like to do that as like sort of the background noise of doing the research for when I'm doing a segment. And because I'm looking for QWPs, right? That's what I'm looking for when I scroll like the the baseline internet for, for things that we're doing on the show. Um, and... I personally, okay, so it's like, I kind of thought this would be like a fun question for the listeners, right? It's like, I personally do not like sigil tattoos, but I've seen some that looked cool, and I'm like, I would get a, I would get that sigil tattoo, but then it's like, I wouldn't get a 
someone else's sigil tattoo because that's not how fucking sigils work. Uh, and then I don't like the idea of getting my own sigils tattooed on my body. And so I'm like, I'm conflicted about sigil tattoos. Like, I'm like conflicted about it. So I want to know what do you guys think about sigil tattoos? Is it cool? Is it lame? Probably, I don't think it's problematic, but I'm like, is it cool? Is it lame? Or is it weird? Because I'm like, it's one of those things where I go back and forth in my head. Yeah, we want to hear what you I guys wanna have hear, to say. I want to hear, I want to, I'm curious. I, I'm curious too. Um, but. Well. <laughs> I lo- I, peppermint, I, I was going to say, I love that that's where I like ended sigils. I was like, are sigil tattoos yeah. cool? Find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> well. I I wanted to cover peppermint today. First of all, it's summer. It's hot. Like when this time of year rolls around, I think we're all looking for a way to cool off. Nick and I were just talking about like the heat waves we're going through in California and in Texas right now. And peppermint, of course, has that like delightful cooling edge that makes it a great addition to summertime drinks like mint juleps or like mint iced teas. Uh, lemonade with mint is one of my favorites, but it also has some really phenomenal like medicinal and magical uses as well so just like let's jump right in um because we all know like the mint family is huge yeah i feel like every other herb that we cover on the podcast is in the mint family but i always think peppermint is probably like the mint that most people are familiar with like it's in toothpaste and candy and even represented by the absolute best adventure time character ever peppermint butler i'm so glad peppermint butler got a mention in the peppermint section yes i'm actually i've been talking for a while with eric about possibly getting a peppermint butler tattoo because i really do like love him so goddamn much like he is my favorite character in adventure time um also a hella powerful witch anyway so (laughs) something you might not know though and i didn't know this until like a few years ago when I started growing mints is that peppermint actually isn't like the head of the mint family. It's, it's a hybrid. So in 1750 near London, um, peppermint was actually developed as an experimental hybrid between water mint and spearmint. And I just thought that was like super interesting. And of course you can find it now growing like anywhere in the world um, because it's, you know, it's got amazing adaptability and it also has this host of like medicinal qualities that make it such a great choice for so many people. And like most mints, growing peppermint isn't prohibitively difficult, but there are a few things you'll want to keep in mind when you're growing this one. Um, First, it actually likes to be pretty moist. When you find it like in the wild, a lot of times you'll find it near like streams or ponds. And so with that said, just like make sure your soil is well draining. Moist doesn't mean wet because roots still need oxygen. So make sure you have good drainage. And of course, like a pot with drainage holes, because like on that note, I think it should just be like illegal to make pots without drainage holes. I like, why are people still fucking doing that? I don't want to have to put cash pots inside of everything. Oh my God. Vendors. Uh, Speaking of which, Shannon, I actually, you know, my pot that my uh, Zabrina is in. Try to get the Zabrina. Yeah. It, which I'm not gonna say the the street name for her. Wandering dude. Wandering dude. But we we do love her. Um, I, that little pot I bought that at H E B. That that little teal pot, right? Um, yeah. You have to pop the drainage holes out yourself. 
and I was like, why is the water just sitting here? Uh, because we had the, because, because that one's pretty deep, right? And so usually the yeah. water, I've had that plant for years and I did not know that the, the, the watering holes were not popped out automatically. Like I've just never had a problem with it. And I've regrown. Yeah, call the police. This should be illegal. Uh, so you guys check your plastic pots, I guess, to make sure the watering holes are popped out. Uh, or maybe I'm a himbo. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like drainage holes are something that are just so contentious because, like, the fact that they fucking make pots without them just makes me insane. Anyway, um, so peppermint, though, I mean, you can kind of think about plants that like to grow near water sources usually end up liking something um, that's kind of like a richer soil. The The exception there is carnivorous plants, but those are bogs. We'll cover carnivorous stuff at some point. Um, but mint really does like super rich soil. So something that has good amendments in it. For me, like I'm a huge fan of like the Fox Farm soils or Espoma soils. Um, but Fox Farm in particular has like really, really great like nutritional additions. And so it's like awesome if you're growing edibles, like anything you're going to be eating. It keeps your plants like super healthy and your yield awesome. Um, and mint can be kept in partial sun, but if you're able to give it like a good amount of like full sun, you'll be well rewarded by like a bigger plant with more intense natural oils. So I do think it's worth like making room on your southern facing windowsill or in the brightest part of your garden. And I just wanted to like take a side note here because full sun means different things sometimes. So like if you're somewhere that gets extremely hot during the summer, you want to like be mindful that there's a difference between like full sun and under the Texas sun at 2 PM in August, right? Like use your noggin, maybe get a shade cloth. If you're in one of those like crazy hot parts of the world, like it'll be good for all of your plants because I'm, I'm actually looking at getting shade cloths for like the blistering Southern California September's because even plants that like full sun don't like to actually be fucking baked. I, so, you know, honestly, just like, I don't think I, anyone wants to be baked in the sun. Uh, no, none of us do. Um, and on that note, just because it is like it's getting pretty hot, I wanted to just like also plug like keep in mind the color of pots that you choose. Like a black pot will get naturally hotter and it'll dry things out super quick or, you know, bake your roots if you're somewhere where it's getting super hot. So just like think about the whole picture. Like it's not just aesthetics. There's a reason like white pots or like terracotta are pretty standard choices. I love a black pot moment and I have plenty of them. Just make sure those aren't things that you're keeping in the direct sun. So anyway, um, peppermint though, isn't as invasive as other mints, but you do still need to keep an eye on it because it will spread. Um, but with that said, it's a great choice for a pot anyway, because then you'll be able to like move it around as needed. And if you grow it in ground, you can plant a barrier like four to six inches under the soil to keep the rhizomes from spreading. And that's sort of the same thing you can do if you wanted to plant bamboo outside. Don't let it just spread and take over the world. You can bury a barrier around it so you can still have it in ground, but then without the problems that come from that. Um, but do keep in mind, if you plant mint in the ground, you're probably going to need to move it around every few years because it can get lanky if you leave it in one place for too long, which I think is just like another reason 
I would just say go with a container on this one. So you're going to want to wait to start harvesting your mint until the plant is about 10 inches tall. So it can focus on like growing up big and strong. And you'll want to keep the flowers pinched back so it doesn't like use up its energy on making those when you're really after like the foliage here, right? Like you're you're wanting I, the green. No, I want mint flowers. I want tiny, unimpressive uh, little mint flowers. Uh, for, for a, well, for a if you're day. anybody other than Nick, pinch them off because Nick is a weirdo. <laughs> Um, I also want to plug that this is an excellent companion plant for like cabbage and other veggies that are in like the genus Brassica because it helps deter those like that like pesky white cabbage butterfly that'll eat up your plants. So companion planting is something that I've gotten super into in the past year. So yeah, mint is great with cabbage. So on to the medicinal uses because there are like approximately a fuck ton. Um, the plant has been known for its like medical properties for like a long time. The ancient Egyptians used it for indigestion and the Romans and the Greeks also used it to soothe an upset stomach. And a lot of scientific research has also been done into the uses of peppermint. So we have like a lot of good data to back up a lot of the uses that people had found for it before the modern era. Um, and peppermint can be taken in many ways. The oil can be applied topically to the skin as long as it's diluted in a carrier oil. You can make a tea from like the dried and crushed leaves. Um, peppermint liquid tincture is something you can find a lot if you have good like apothecaries near you. And the oil can also be vaporized for inhalation. Um, peppermint, of course, is like an amazing choice for cold and flu because it can like soothe the airways, like think like Vicks VapoRub, right? That like menthol in there. Um, that's what helps like clear your congestion and allow you to breathe easier. And peppermint compared to a lot of the mint family has like a really high concentration of menthol. Um, it's also an antimicrobial and an antioxidant, and it can help with a number of painful digestive problems, which our ancient ancestors were obviously like way on top of. Um, it's helpful for things like gas, bloating and nausea, morning sickness and stomach cramps. Um, there also was a research study on IBS patients um, where participants took a capsule of diluted peppermint oil and an enteric coated formula, and 75% of the participants who took the capsule um, daily saw a significant decrease in their IBS symptoms in comparison with only like 38% of people who took the placebo capsule. But we'll talk later about why you shouldn't just fucking eat peppermint oil. But just to say, like, there's some research that has some really promising um promising like uh results for people that suffer with ibs so virgos of the world <laughs> we might have a solution soon um menstrual cramps can also be eased by like a diluted topical application of peppermint oil since it works as like a muscle relaxer headaches nerve pain toothaches inflammation of the joints general body aches and muscle pains are all thought to be able to be relieved through peppermint use. Um, you can have like a cup of peppermint tea for these purposes or apply it topically, diluted, of course, for a nice cooling effect that can help relieve the pain. Um, something that could be really good if you're using it for muscle pain is to dilute it in a carrier oil and maybe add some cayenne along with the peppermint oil. That way you get that sort of like hot, cold sort of sensation. That would be, I think, really clutch if you're having like some muscle pain um, and peppermint oil diluted with another oil can also be applied directly to the forehead or the upper sinuses 
for headache pain related to sinus pressure, especially. Um, in fact, a German study showed peppermint to have the same power as a thousand milligrams of acetaminophen in helping with headaches. And I actually just did this for Eric, my husband, the other night when they were having a headache. Like, I, I also enjoy doing aromatherapy with peppermint oil, which is not safe for children, which we'll cover later. Um, but you can put a few drops of the oil in like a cup of steaming hot water and then kind of like drape a, a towel over your head to hold that steam in and like take some deep breaths. Um, it's also a really good way to use it for dealing with sinus congestion. Um, but again, I, not I, for children. I, I have done that one uh, with, the, with the peppermint and the tea tree for, yeah. for the, the, the hot the hot towel with it. Uh, gosh, you're like bringing up like this weird like repressed memory from when I'm a kid, but it's, I don't know why it's repressed. It's not traumatic, but like my dad would do that. Put like peppermint oil on a towel. Good for him. Oh, nice. Good for him. He's so holistic. Oh my god, I your dad. Uh, well, peppermint oil can also be diluted with water to use it as like a wash that can help with like alleviating skin problems like rashes and dry skin. And it can also be used as a hair rinse to soothe like a dry or an oily scalp. Like it's really good for scalp health. And a lot of times you'll see formulations like speaking of tea tree oil and peppermint that like combine the two of those to help with scalp issues. And also those shampoos feel fucking amazing on your scalp. So if you're the type of person that has any sort of scalp issues, like do yourself a favor and find a good shampoo with tea tree oil and peppermint in it because you're going to be so happy. It feels uh, great. Yeah, tea tree, tea uh, tree is and peppermint is so good for, for the scalp. And the reason we would have tea tree is because it was good for itching. Like, yeah, peppermint doesn't do much for the itching. Like, that's why the, as the combo yep. for your skin stuff, that is like clutch. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good combo. Um, so peppermint oil, though, is also like a really energizing scent and inhaling it can help like result with like some sort of like heightened levels of energy. And I use peppermint oil like a lot in my personal oil body blends, because for me, I definitely feel energized when I smell it. It's like, if I'm going to do something on a day where I'm feeling fucking tired, it's either going to be citrus or peppermint are going to be like the Ford scents because those two not together gross, but like those two separately I think both work really well. And I know some people like mint and citrus together. It just doesn't work for me personally. So um, anyway, on to the magic, y'all. So peppermint, our sweet little boy, is a masculine plant associated with the planet Mercury, fire and air, and the deity Pluto, just like qualifying, not the planet, the deity Pluto, the sign Taurus, and then the throat and the third eye chakras. Um, it's useful for purification, sleep magic, love, healing, and psychic powers. And it's used in healing magic, I think is like not surprising, right? Given all of the awesome medicinal uses we've just talked about. And honestly, like that was just scratching the surface. Peppermint goes hard, but we aren't going to talk about it for 45 minutes. So um, it's so magical healing, I think, is something that it's also great, like, to incorporate, right? So if you're doing stuff like for your wellness routine, like holistic, like body healing, using herbs and stuff, 
I think incorporating those same things into your craft can be a really cool way to like use magic to support the mundane, which is like what we're all about here at Wands and Fronds. We're a, a both and. Um, and of course, it was magically recommended in Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs to rub the leaves on your forehead for headaches, right? Um, and they said if you wore peppermint at your wrist, you wouldn't get sick. And, you know, I've kind of like touched on this already, but like if you're a witch like me who does like to work with essential oils, like you can make a great essential oil blend in a carrier of your choice and like add in some peppermint to add a nice protective healing slant to it. Um, it's also really good for if you have like asthma and congestion. Sometimes I'll just make a diluted um, peppermint oil and like put it on my chest with like tea tree and eucalyptus in the winter if I'm feeling a little like icky, because then it basically is like a, a homemade Vicks vapor rub essentially. Um, and of course, though, put it on your wrist, you know, go with the old wives tale, like do that. I'm wearing peppermint oil on my wrist today. Nick can't smell it, but uh, I love it. Uh, I'll like hold it out, you know, so let me snip it. Through. And I'm like, like Nick, my wrist yeah. um, <laughs> on your altar, peppermint will call in good spirits that'll help aid you in your magic. And you can place it under your pillow to help usher in prophetic dreams. So you guys know we're going to have to recommend it. For sleep sachets, oh which is apparently a Wands and Fronds staple, like peppermint. And I was like, not even planning this. It was just like recommended to put it under your pillow. And I'm just like, man, we just like sleep magic we are here. Just like obsessed like, with sleep magic and living ball. <laughs> uh, I do love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah cut. it's um, like I'm I'm shook. I'm shook that we did not talk about living balm at all in this episode uh i'm gonna have to go back and find some way to make her news about lemon balm so right <laughs> um so mint in general though is also like associated with money spells and prosperity work because like green equals money y'all plus that like crisp scent is all like dollar dollar bill fresh money uh so you can keep a few leaves in your wallet or purse and like rub it anywhere you keep your money. Like if you have a piggy bank, maybe rub some mint on it or a couple of drops. Um, again, if you don't want to use fresh leaves, I think a couple of drops of the essential oil on like a little piece of paper, you can shove that in your wallet or your purse and that'll do the trick. Um, and if you want something useful for cleansing like your space or your tools, I think this is great in like a spray blend. And I do like to also have kind of like a general use like room spray because I don't always have time or like want to go through the whole process of doing like smoke cleansing because that can be really intensive. So I have like nice little sprays. Sometimes I can go through and do like a quick sort of like touch up once in a like while. A, like, like a cleansing mist. Exactly, exactly. Like a room mist, but witchy. So I think adding like a few drops of peppermint oil with some like Florida water would be a great quick mix. Florida water is awesome for cleansing and protection. But I do want to say that I think you should absolutely buy Florida water from like a seller of color because it does have like really strong historical ties to hoodoo and voodoo traditions. Florida water, I think, is used kind of generally magically, but it is something that I'm like, find you a black witch online or nearby that you can buy this from. So let's just like support. Um, and then finally, I actually have like kind of a homespun recommendation that's a play on some stuff we've talked about for all my like badass working witches out there. 
So a lot of us I know have these, like you get a big box of business cards, right? Like when you order them, because they only come in like fucking 5,000 at a time. It's like 250, but still like you get that big box. So I think in the box of business cards, like pick one out near the back and put a few drops of the peppermint essential, essential oil on it and then put it back in the box. And that's going to give like all of the cards in the box that are in there, like kind of a light mint scent. And so you can kind of have your business cards work as like little spells anytime you hand them out to like try and bring that money back, like cute little totems that you're essentially like putting your magic out in the world so they can bring some back to you. Hi, Kitty. Also, yes, Oliver did come to say hi. I left him in here because he's old. Sweet Oliver. Um, anyway, so my sources for that today were um, gardeningknowhow.com, Mother Earth News, Cunning Hands Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, and Green Witchcraft by Paige Vanderbeck. Um, and the QWP this week is really actually kind of mostly a warning. Um, of course, y'all, with like herbs in general, you always need to be cautious. Like, but with peppermint, there seems to be a ton of like really unsafe advice online, and I wanted to make sure we covered it. So, like. As sort of a precursor, essential oils are extremely concentrated and need to be approached with a lot of caution. Like just because MLMs are telling you to add essential oils to your beverages, like doesn't actually make it a good idea. Like, please work with your doctor or your herbalist, you know, whoever your medical practitioner is, and always practice an abundance of caution with herbal medicine because it is medicine. And a girl you went to high school with who's trying to like peddle oils on Facebook isn't an expert. Like, she's just not. Sorry. No. And it, it's like the whole reason I wanted to bring this one up too was like, I was looking at peppermint. I was honestly, yeah, it was like trying to see wh what good if any tie-ins there would be with peppermint uh, to like my topics uh, because, you know, we do try to cover all the bases here at once and Frogs. Um, yeah. But I was like, one of the top hits for peppermint was like the poison control page for peppermint oil. So I was like, yeah, what is, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> so, uh on that, like Nick said, like large doses of peppermint oil can be fatal to people of any age, like renal failure, fatal, kill you dead. Um, and pure peppermint essential oil is too concentrated to take or like to take orally. And it can be toxic at high doses because um, I've seen a lot of like recommendations for like, oh, just put a few drops of peppermint essential oil like in your water for a nice treat. And it's like, no, don't, don't drink essential oils. Like, it's just, please don't. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there has been research that's like looked at the potential benefits of taking diluted amounts very of peppermint diluted, oil, very diluted. but it's also in like enteric coated formulas. So it's not like just drinking the oil, like, and there are a lot of conflicting recommendations, even about like those studies, it's not been super, like, super extensive. So like, just talk to your healthcare practitioner, but mostly please don't fucking drink essential oils of any kind. And you also have 
to be very careful if you have little ones around and you're using any type of essential oils. Um, Like it's super dangerous. And the crunchy ethos around essential oils, I think has like led people to treat them maybe a little bit too casually, but these things are highly concentrated and they can be dangerous. And like on the note of children, it's really, really, really important to know that like any amount of peppermint oil used on the hands or face of an infant or toddler can cause breathing spasms that might result in death because peppermint should not be topically applied to or diffused at all around children under the age of six. Like that is incredibly important information. And it's also why things like these MLMs with them make me really uncomfortable because there's just so, these things are very strong. Like they, you just need to be careful. It's not to say like, don't use them. They're too dangerous to use, but like you need to have a good amount of respect for essential oils. Um, and, and finally, like never take peppermint oil with an, uh, with an immunosuppressant. Um, the body breaks down cyclosporine to get rid of it. And peppermint oil might decrease how quickly the body is able to break down the cyclosporine, which Cyclosporine is an immunosuppressant that's used for people who've received organ transplants. Um, so taking peppermint oil with cyclosporine might increase like the side effects of the medication. It can be very, very dangerous. So again, like super short and sweet this week, but really this is a like general caution against being like too blasé with essential oils in general. Um, but also like peppermint oil in particular is one that like you need to just be careful with. I'm not trying to like, Fearmonger. I just think we need to have a very strong respect for the things that we're using in our craft and in our healthcare practices. Um, and essential oils is like, just because you can buy it at a CVS doesn't mean it can't potentially kill you. <laughs> well, I, again, it's like just because an MLM what tells you it's okay because it's like they they market these things to be like, yeah, oh, for bug bites. It's like no. Not if not for your children. Yeah, not for your children and not undiluted. You should not put undiluted oils on your skin. I mean, I mentioned lavender is one that some people can tolerate, but I think a general rule is just like, just don't put undiluted essential oils on your skin. And the dilution rates are actually a lot higher than you might think. So like really look into that because it's just, you need to be careful, y'all. Like you get one body, one body in this lifetime. So anyway, I mean, can you imagine how embarrassed you would be if you died from essential oil poisoning? Right. We don't want anybody to die. Like no one, none of our podcast listeners need to like win the Darwin award don't, for dying in a stupid don't way. Be an embarrassed ghost. Be a proud ghost. Yeah. Be a proud ghost. We love you guys. So we're getting close to the end. So today I was doing the Terrascope. And today I have a message, though, for our cancer friends it's so, it's, out it's there. It's almost cancer season. At, it is almost cancer season. At the time season. of recording. And it will be even closer to cancer season at the time this is released. So for you cancer babies, today I have drawn fennel, which represents strength. And Nick, I can show you my card. Look, isn't that cute? Oh my god, I do love that. With the triangle, put your put your essential in a triangle, y'all. Yeah, there's a triangle on here. Um, so fennel, uh, which represents strength, can also indicate friendship, which 
it, it means you might be finding yourself spending more time with those you care about, people who align with your goals and your vision. And this is an invitation to like teach what you know to those you love, like share with them. You have the ability to like uplift and improve the lives of people you care about, which is like the biggest cancer energy, right? Um, and to me, this is like an indication that you need to take advantage of this reawakening that a lot of us are seeing with like vaccination rates rising. It's getting safer to be around your friends again. Don't isolate right now, cancer babies. As long as you're safely able to do it, like you've got gifts to share. And by doing that, it's going to uplift your loved ones, but also uplift you. So mama bears of the Zodiac, like do what you do best spread the love. Um, so I did want to read the magical correspondences for fennel because I always love these. So its uses are for, um, you can use it for grounding, completion, goals, friendships, shared success. Uh, the deities it's associated with are Dionysus, um, Hephaestus, Adonis, Hermes, and Mercury, which I, again, synchronicities. Uh, always, it's associated always with the, the planet Mercury. I know. Um, and it's also associated with the sign Virgo. So my book has a suggestion for a strength spell. Uh, so if you need more strength, try this candle spell, maybe a good one for cancers. So you're going to take a whole fennel bulb and you're going to slice off the top and the bottom until you have something that's like flat on both ends that you can like safely like stand upright on a table or a surface. Then you're going to tightly tie red string or ribbon around the fennel bulb three times and then set a wide red candle on top of the fennel surrounded with four agate crystals one at each compass point and then light the candle and let it burn as you ask for strength and you really like focus on that intention and then either let it fully burn out or put out the flame don't leave candles unattended only you can prevent forest fires or your house from burning down um so yeah Nice little like short, sweet spell. But I love these like little spell suggestions in here. I think they're always so cute. Um, So that's the bitter end. Honestly, this was such a fun episode to make. Uh, I remember thinking like, oh, Hermes, like what messenger of the gods being sandals? Like, what am I even going to say about that? But like, there's way too much going on in Hermes's life. Uh, and also I'm so excited to be going on my little trip tomorrow. Yeah. Nick's getting to go like see his family, go see his sisters. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, today was my last day at my job. So congratulations to all of us for making it. Yeah. Yes. And on that note, I have like a possible really badass opportunity that might have presented itself. So if you're like ever lighting a candle and want to send some good vibes my way, this would be fucking huge. So I would really appreciate it if I can get any good vibes. Also, you could email us good vibes. You could email us good vibes at wandsandfranspod at gmail.com. But just to like wax poetic for a minute, I was really reflecting the other day on like, we have the best fans, like the people that we know that listen to this show to call you fans feels weird because y'all have kind of become like friends of ours. And just like, thank you guys. Y'all are really seriously the best. We don't even need a bag of rubies from you. We wouldn't turn it down, but your presence is a present. Well, we do. I do love to, I, 
I, I do love to, to just like talk to people. So I'm always on at weird times respond. So it's like, you'll be like midstream in a conversation with Shannon and then I will hop in at some point uh, or vice versa. So hit us up. Let us see, let us see your, your Greek roadside dick pics at wands and fronds pod at gmail.com. Yes. If you have any like sigils that you want to share with us, we'd love to see them. Um, maybe I can also post the one that I did for the podcast. I would be happy to do that. It would it would it be kind of one. fun to see a mystery sigil and try to try to guess what it is. Ooh, that would be a fun game. What do we say to all of the, the beautiful witches out there? To all of our beautiful, wonderful witches who we love. Blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. The German name for Snorlax is Relaxo, but the the ancient Greek name for Snorlax is Asclepius, but it's spelled asleep. <laughs>